Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started kathleen is the founder and ceo of a leadership advisory firm and the host of the intangible podcast in the interview kathleen delves into the powerful intersection of embracing change and reconnecting with our inner knowing Drawing from her own journey, she highlights the myth of stagnant identity and its impact on growth. By bridging logic and emotion, she empowers leaders to navigate challenges, nudging them to access their emotional intelligence for alignment and effective leadership. Hi, Kathleen. Welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Hi, Sumit. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's so nice to see you. Absolutely. It's a delight to have you here with us today. And to begin with, for our listeners, can you share a bit of who you are and what is it that you do? Sure. Thanks for the floor. I grew up in a very loving household. My father is a former U.S. Marine. My mom, she really, she had a lot of dreams about raising a family. And so my younger sister and I were essentially like her focus until we were teenagers. And that was a really wonderful foundation One additional element of that, though, is that gender roles were pretty traditional in my experience. And so Mm -hmm. that's one key theme that has informed my educational pursuits, my professional pursuits, because I feel like at a core level, and now I have language to describe and explain these things, how my story is relevant to what I pursue now. I feel like at a core level, we know that we are unique and that we have valuable skills and gifts and preferences to share. But I think in different ways and to different degrees, we are trained away from well-meaning people who want us to fit in, who Mm -hmm. want us to have a happy life with others. But we're trained away from that sense that we are unique and that our unique perspective matters. And I think gender stereotypes are a huge part of that. It's interesting that the Barbie movie is having such a huge success at the moment because I feel like even 10 years ago, I don't think that movie would have been made. We're at a sort of 
I think many turning points and an awakening in many countries, societies about the limiting boxes we put people in and how important it is to allow people to craft their own identity. And yeah, so just to backtrack and summarize just the importance of education, that was something that I had the the privilege of growing up with parents who had not gone to university before. So I was the first in my family to do that. And so to pursue education as a gateway to more opportunities, and really that's a guiding theme for me in what I do, creating a broader menu or perception of what's possible for people, not just at work, but in their, right. in their everyday lives. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. One common question that I often ask people is that, right, why are you trying to fit in when you are made to stand out? And sometimes it confuses people. Sometimes it pisses people off because we are not trained to think that way, right? So can you share a bit more of your journey, right? How have you found your own uniqueness and how have you become comfortable with that? Because I think those two things can be quite different. Absolutely. And those are really wonderful questions that I think touch on a number of complex dimensions of not just our sense of who we are, but exactly like you said, how we fit into groups and families, how we embrace the fact that change is natural. Um, I think we fight that. We're taught to know who you are. And in many ways, the implication is that who you are doesn't change that much over time. And that's a huge myth and it holds us back. So yeah, one sort of memory from my childhood that I've I've come to realize it's so much more significant now for my sort of, I guess, like redirection in a way, but it feels like a natural progression in my career is that I used to pretend I was a talk show host when I was younger. (laughs) And I remember in first grade asking another child, where do you think we were before we were here? And the other child looked at me like I was like, it made no sense Mm. to them. But for me, I always had this like inner knowing that we, our consciousness, our awareness was somewhere before we were here. So I didn't have the language to explain that necessarily. So I think that piece of trusting my internal guidance in a way that maybe not everybody is so connected to. That's one piece of my comfort level to share these things, but also a piece of the story where I went from being very confident and comfortable as a young child in sort of age 10, 11 to sharing my thoughts, being very open with school projects and presentation, and then suddenly being told like, you talk too much, you are too much. And so I really ended up retreating as a teenager. And I think like in many ways, we have to look back on the choices we made and not be victims. We have to look back on our story and our experiences from an empowerment perspective and what we have Mm -hmm. learned. And so I I pursued a pretty highly academic path for a number of years. I finished a PhD. And so I think that I was very also comfortable being in the background of advising ministers, advising leaders, advising people. And it's just taken me to this point in time where like, actually, no, I love to talk (laughs) and we all have something valuable to share and being able to think and speak at different levels of analysis and make your own experience relevant for somebody else's experience and lessons in life, I think is something that it's natural for all of us, but we've all been trained away to different degrees from that natural comfort right. of sharing who we are. 
Yeah, yeah. I think you're touching upon on something important, right? So as children, we are all unique and also aware of our uniqueness, but somehow we are told or discouraged or, as you said, trained away from that. And until we rediscover that and embrace that as adults, there is something missing, especially when it comes to creation and leadership. And I think this is one topic which both of us talk about. So can you connect now this with leadership, right? So if you're talking to a business leader who have their goals, their responsibilities, can you share what is the value of this deeper level of understanding or the inner knowing, as you mentioned, to given what their responsibilities or challenges are? Yeah, thank you for that. So my my approach is to try to understand where that person is coming from in terms of their, like exactly like you said, their values, their belief mm-hmm. system. Ask them a series of questions, get a sense of what they're comfortable to share, maybe what is feels more risky to them and developing that trust. I think we hear a lot in traditional leadership training, maybe mainstream circles about the value of trust, but what that looks like in practice and how to actually foster that between two people or between a group of people, that is, I think you can apply some recipe that is repetitive, but it has to also be unique to those people to understand what's important to them. So I always start sharing a little bit about myself, my journey in training in social psychology, feeling like I had such a strong grasp on my identity formation over the years. I was highly analytical and I didn't realize until very recently I was disregarding the emotional aspect of my story in my daily experience. And by no means have I struggled and suffered immensely However, I think we have all been socialized by well-meaning people to tolerate a very high degree of negative emotion, and that actually blocks our ability to be self-aware, to bring our full self to conversation, and to relate to other people. I usually lead with three concepts when I first am working with a client or providing leadership advice. Whether they're in a financial services organization, whether they are a founder who's multi-exited and is looking for their next step in life. Mm -hmm. So mindset, beliefs, and self-narrative are the three concepts that revolve the first few conversations around. And I think that a lot of these concepts, they are more mainstream. We're hearing more about them. But not everybody has the language or has been asked the right questions, as also well with your own clients. To really be able to articulate what are my beliefs, what are, and we can't see very far past our current perspective. So what we believe to be possible now about ourselves, about other people, and about the, I don't know, the strategic direction of our business, that is based on our past experience. It's based on our perception of many things. And so bringing someone else in and giving a different lens on the world or providing different examples of how others have changed and Mm. grown and expanded, I find to be quite useful. Yeah, yeah. And coming back to you, can you share a bit of your vision, right? What is it that you're trying to change or create in the world and and what challenges do you see now right so with the growth challenges still don't stop right so what new challenges do you see for yourself given where you are right now yeah thank you in terms of vision i think 
It's I usually look at most things through three levels of analysis, individual, team, organization. And then the fourth one would be more broadly society. But I tend to drill down in in most of my work in terms of the one-on-one relevance and the team rele- the team dynamics for when I'm advising other people. For myself, I'm always thinking in those sort of three or four dimensions. Like, what is my what can I share with the world that is of value to many mm-hmm. people? I think that being able to say yes, we are unique and my story matters, but also I have so much in common with other people. I feel like humans are humans that we can focus and emphasize the differences, but also I think I said this in a recent interview, there are an unlimited number of experiences we can have, but there are not an unlimited number of emotions. We all have experienced fear, joy, rage, a sense of hopelessness. And so I think how I relate to other people and what I feel like is a big piece of the value I can bring for integrating my story, the challenges I have overcome, finding clarity is that I think you do need to have enough distance from the very difficult or challenging times in your life to really glean the wisdom from those. So if we, and it's an energetic universe, we are drawn to people who are at a similar emotional set. We have emotional set points, just like we have mindsets. We have our frames of reference in our mind, But the emotional set points where we spend most of our time on the emotional scale, whether that's in lower places, middle places, which is like contentment, satisfaction, or the higher places of enthusiasm, joy, empowerment, the people in our lives are also sitting at those emotional set points Mm. because we have strong habits, right? And so, of course, there will be people who pop into our lives at different points who are at different points and they reflect how we feel at that moment, too. But it's what we practice consistently that shows up in our life. Right. And so I think that is the piece of the conversation that I feel is the I feel the most excited about and is at the leading edge of the leadership conversations. I am no longer fascinated or committed to the KPIs, the strategic planning the aligning your ESG metrics with your business goals. And that's all fine and good. That's an important piece of people's satisfaction at work. If that's their jam, that's awesome. (laughs) That's not my jam anymore. My jam is working with leaders who exactly like you said, know that there is more to this puzzle. There is more to our humanity and our beingness. And that is linking the logic and emotion in a way that helps us to understand ourselves as individuals and how we are connected with other people. Yeah, yeah. And as you said, this is much more receptive right now. The world is much more receptive and we can talk about it. But at the same time, there are still a lot of eco chambers or a lot of cultures where this is new, right? So what challenges does that present? When you try to talk about this or explain this or show this, What kind of reactions do you get and how do you navigate that? Yeah. Oh, I love that question. It actually reminds me of a few years ago when I would be asked like, okay, you work with hedge fund managers or you work with engineers, computer scientists. How do you convince them of the value of diversity of people Mm. or diversity of skills when there are many taken for granted, I guess, 
like limiting ideas that come from the media or we think that we're experts in many areas. People will say, I have a gender. So they think I'm an expert in gender. <laughs> it's like you're you are an expert in your own experience of gender. You don't necessarily have an expertise in the history of gender relations, the power dynamics involved in that. So there's always more than one layer. And I have found something that has given me confidence to present arguments to people who are used to being the authority in their right. own life, their own experience, as being the number of people I've worked with in different countries and different sectors. And I think my ability really and my genuine interest in connecting with that person and what learning what their priorities are, because I think that as soon as you have a role, which I was in for a number of years, strategic change management, people do get defensive, not just because they don't want their entire job uh, description to shift, but I think there's something even more fundamental that we know our life experience matters, that our lens on the world is valuable. So for someone to come in and say, you're wrong, you don't really know how the world works, that doesn't go well. <laughs> so I'll take the approach that we can always connect about something. We can always agree about something and that I'm not coming in to tell somebody what is right or wrong. I'm here to share different perspectives, different lenses, different types of knowledge. When I think knowledge, is, it's an anchoring word that I use in any type of trainings or advisory work that I do because there's a difference between information, data, research, and knowledge. And I would argue that knowledge is something that we know has value. It's a knowing. When we ask, does that make sense? We're using our beyond our five senses. If something makes sense, it resonates with us. It's resonant in our mental frameworks, our emotional frameworks. And so connecting with people, understanding what their emotional priorities are, I find is something that's missing from a lot of conversations, but that's how I sort of create buy-in from even the skeptics. Yeah. And I think a key component of that, which I'm listening to is you're still allowing them to make their own choices, right? You're not forcing an idea onto them and you are constantly validating and checking. And it's okay if they do not want to play or yeah. they're not open to those ideas. Yes. And I think a big part of that is to say, you might not feel like this resonates now. That happens to me too. We are always changing and deciding where do we want to focus our attention or our preferences now. If you take the assumption that everything coming into your experience has value and that you can ask the other person to believe in that too, that it, they may not resonate with everything that you are suggesting at the time but once you go away and think about it and remember past experiences or realize okay maybe i didn't have the right frame of reference at the time but i need time to digest this i think there's a lot of value in that yeah and can you share what kind of uh, like personal practices or habits that do you have to make sure that you are in that state to actually help others or to serve others yeah oh, i love that question so much so as I mentioned, I'm highly analytical up until about, and I don't believe it's separate from emotional, but just we have the economies in the world and I bought into that for a long time. I, I was introduced to meditation about five and a half years ago. 
And by no means do I believe that everybody should meditate or needs to meditate. The objective for me of meditation or using a tool like that is to gain alignment, alignment between my thoughts, my emotions, my physical experience, and other people can gain alignment by having a long shower, driving their car, taking a long walk. For me, it just opened up a whole new, I guess, level of awareness. And so depending Mm. on the, I think, different purposes that you can use meditation for, sometimes it's to quiet your mind, to relieve anxiety. Sometimes it's to try to access more solutions to a problem you're thinking about. So for me, it depends on the context that I'm going into that day, why, what the sort of objective or what type of meditation I would use. I love guided meditation. I love just pure music. For me, the sensory aspect of music and a quiet environment is key. And I think that is so whether my clients or people that I work with, my friends, my family, whether they Um, are interested in meditating or not, I use it as one of the more extreme examples or practices. I practice it twice a day, have, yeah, every day for the last five and a half, not every day. There's probably a handful of days that I miss. (laughs) But I can tell the days that I do not practice meditating, I'm less in balance. I can be more reactive. I'm not my best. And so I use it as an example of a practice that other people can consider to sense whether they are in or out of alignment, whether they are bringing their whole self to their work conversation, to their families. And meditating, I believe, is not the purpose is not to become an expert meditator. The purpose is to be more engaged and present and aware in your everyday life. Absolutely. I think the real benefit of meditation is like not those 10 or 15 minutes, but what it does for the rest of your day. And I think that's also maybe a different understanding of meditation, like in the West versus in the East where it originates uh, from, right? That instead of looking at meditation as a tool or as a particular thing that you do in a particular way, like if you, you, yeah, for a purpose, if you go to, let's say, India or, or Japan or China, it's almost a way of life. It's yeah. like you can meditate in almost any action. And then I think the benefit, especially for leaders, are very tangible and at the same time very real, right? You can experience the benefit in the moment and not just like in a particular time slot that you have fixed for Yeah, yeah I love points and I could not agree more. I feel like mm-hmm. exactly like you said, you have to know your audience, how to use the language to present to make it relevant for them. Yeah. And I totally agree. Like my, I've been to India and even just thinking about my colleagues there, the conversations we had, so many of the things you just mentioned came up and it's really, it's natural to experience experience a sense of well-being we all need to get back to that Mm. not just practice but that knowing that well-being and well-being is it's a it's a spectrum of emotions and physical experience well-being is not just peace tranquility and not communicating with others it's also enthusiasm joy bouncing off the walls with things but knowing when you're on the upper half of the emotional scale or the lower half i feel like 
That's yeah. one huge benefit of meditation. And even if it's just taking 10 deep breaths and reconnecting your mind with your body, that's a huge step for people. Not everybody is ready to even conceptualize or embrace the fact that there is a non-physical consciousness piece yeah. of them outside of their physical body that has an awareness of them. Yeah. Knowing what people are ready to hear or eager to hear is a huge part, I think, of leadership training. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think there's one thing which you said which is very small, but it is huge is uh, you said get back to well-being. And many times we think that well-being is something to get to. So if I just earn enough money or if I just do this one thing or if I just become better than my friend or my like my colleague, then I will be well or I just get the promotion. What you said, it's getting back. It's not something which we have to grasp. It's something which is already there and we have to get back. And many times it's a process of letting go rather than getting anything else. And yes. that's a, such a subtle distinction. But yeah, I want to highlight that because that was such a gold, golden nugget that you shared. Oh, thank you for saying that. And I, the letting go piece, I think until people feel trusting that there's a benevolent energy, the universe is a loving energy and knows what we want. And it's not just a nebulous universe. There's a piece of the universe that we are. It's inside of us now and it's outside of us as well. And so until you can trust that there's something else beyond your five senses and beyond <clears throat> your brain that knows what you want and is guiding you, it's not easy to let go. And I think also people interpret letting go as giving up on their desires. You cannot give up on your desires and you cannot slow your desires down. Your emotion tell you how up to speed or how in tune in alignment are with your desires and getting back to that practice of well-being and that knowing that well-being is natural is a huge part of that we hear all the time enjoy the journey what that means is if you don't know for yourself viscerally and mentally emotionally what satisfaction feels like and looks like and believe that is a natural state that you deserve, you are worthy of feeling well-being, it's going to be much more challenging to create the outcomes that you want to, especially in the entrepreneurial space. We often yeah. hear struggle and suffer. That's the road to success. No, it's because people are further away from their natural state of beingness. And that's why it's hard. It's the resistance. It's the emotional resistance. It's the lack of belief that you can create mm -hmm. what you want, that you're fighting against. That's why it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's such a wonderful word, desire, I think. And it connects with, the, it's almost like a fire or a spark, which we have in all of us. And we cannot turn it off like, as long as we are alive. We cannot turn it off. Anything alive grows, right? Anything Alive has a desire to grow. And you, you said something which resonates beyond your mind, so one which you can feel in your mental, emotional, physical space, and not just what you're thinking, right? Not just like the next milestone or not just the next promotion. And uh, it's something which is coming from some deeper place. And then that's the real desire to get behind and to not give up, never give up impact. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think we have a lot of terms or sayings in different countries that speak to our awareness that we mm -hmm. are more than these physical bodies, but we don't necessarily 
it's like we're all learning. There's an expansive awareness. Yeah. For example, the phrase, you can cut the tension with a knife. We hear that. We know that there's an energetic quality to the room, to the conversation, to what we are bringing. But I think we don't all have the language or the full understanding that we are energetic mm -hmm. being in an energetic environment and it's all interacting. So I think exactly like you said, it's a time of awakening. It's a time of there's much greater, I think, especially after the pandemic, the well-being conversation, the awareness that our individual preferences matter, that organizations are also mm -hmm. responsible in many ways for catering yeah. to providing services or yeah. tools for employees to be more productive. Mm -hmm. It's not just the employee's benefit, it's for the benefit of the organization as well. So yeah, I think it's just, I'm mm. excited about the future and optimistic about the future. And I feel like that's a natural tendency as well. Absolutely. And I share that optimism, right? Even with the, a lot of the bad news that we hear constantly about climate change or about wars, I'm very optimistic about like something new emerging and just the way we relate to ourselves and relate to each other, I think will change massively in this, in this century. And that will obviously create some wonderful results for the world. I, I'm sure we can continue talking forever, but I would also like to wrap it up. So once again, I want to hand the floor to you. If do you have any lasting thoughts, which you would like to share, or if anybody is listening or want to reach out, what is the best way? for them to find out more of these ideas that we are talking about. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Sumit. It was such a pleasure to speak with you and share my perspective and hear your sort of resonant thoughts come back so quickly. It's wonderful oh. to be on the same wavelength as people who really are on the leading edge of thought. I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. So anyone who would like to see my content or like to connect, my handle is Diversity Hunter. And yeah, always happy to exchange ideas with people, share my perspective and learn. I feel like that's another fundamental aspect of being human, like lear lifelong learning, eternal learning, essentially. And I feel like your podcast and the forum that you've created for sharing these ideas is incredibly valuable. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. It was a pleasure having you and thank you for sharing these golden nuggets. I'm sure anybody who listens to this will have their thinking challenged or provoked, but also to some deeper wisdom there. Thank you. Thanks, Sumit. Look forward to seeing you soon. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews 
go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team if you want to know more go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on linkedin i want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and i want to thank you for listening always remember that you are enough you are loved and you matter this is sumit until next time keep choosing leadership